Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brock. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Trubisky's going to run it, and he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? You got mail. Oh, my goodness. In the ring, Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The player is by Crane. One, two, three, four. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hour number two. Welcome in. That's right. We start at six. Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock this evening. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. And also, don't let me forget this. We have five pairs of tickets to the fantasy football convention to give away this hour. Ooh, just Abdallah. this hour? This hour. Just this hour? Guess what? Next hour, I've got five more. Whoa, that's 10 pairs. 10 that's pairs 20 tonight. tickets. Tonight. That's 20, tonight. That's 10, 20 tickets. That's a lot of tickets. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coming up this hour also, we will talk with Pete Sampson in about 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. He's the Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic. He'll join us to talk Notre Dame football at uh, 7.30. We will talk with uh, Kenny White, Vegas insider from CBS Sportsline, football expert, the odds X-Factor, and KennyWhite.com. So we'll talk some Vegas over-under win totals for the NFL and college football. And we'll do all that coming up this hour here. Black and Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the Bears are about to kick off. Uh, against the uh, Carolina Panthers in the first preseason game, Abdallah. Mitch Trubisky warming up, getting ready to play. You don't think this is a big deal. I think it's a bit of a mistake. If all the other starters are not going to play tonight, why play your franchise quarterback? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you can say that. All I know is that Sam Darnold is playing. I know that Baker Mayfield already threw a dime. I know that, uh, let's see, Marcus Mariota, who's been injury prone, is playing. I know that Lamar Jackson is playing. So it seems like a lot of quarterbacks mm, don't care. Don't care what you think. Busy night in the National Football League. Abdallah's correct. Sam Darnold touchdown. We have a Baker Mayfield touchdown already. We have teams playing all over the National Football League and Mitch Trubisky warming up at Soldier Field as the Bears are about to kick that one off. Uh, Kurt Warner earlier this week got a chance to talk with Carmen and Yurko, and the guys asked him, what does Mitch Trubisky need to do to become great in the National Football League? Well, I mean, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, Part of it, as you said, is the recognizing, um, you know, before the snap. The pre-snap reads to give you a great sense. Can you start to learn nuances of defenses and, you know, positioning of guys and how that plays into what a defense can and can't do? I think some of it is taught. And I I always think a lot of the quarterback position is innate, the ability to 
recognize certain things. And to me, even more so than recognizing uh, like pre-snap, it's being able to react Mm. in the moment. You know, can you see that or on the snap when a defense changes what they do? How quickly can you recognize that? And what kind of sense of your offense do you have where you always know what the answer is, no matter what a team throws at you? And that, to me, is what makes great quarterbacks is that, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and there's a lot of guys that can go in a room and you ask them to draw up a play, and they can draw up the play and can tell you all the nuances of the play. Or, you know, you can sit in that room and go, okay, against this defense, what would you do? And when they have 20 to 30 seconds, they can lay it all out and they sound like geniuses. But there's a select few guys that can do all of that and make the right decision and put the football where it needs to be put in four seconds. And that, to me, is the difference between the great quarterbacks and the good quarterbacks or the guys that just survive in this league is what do you do in that four seconds? How well can you see, recognize, diagnose, and then do the right thing with the football? Uh, That is what, you know, that is what changes everything, you know, at that position. So, uh, to me... It's, uh, you know, can Mitch, can these young quarterbacks become those kind of guys? Um, and it's really hard to say because I think it's really tough to learn that. Part of that has to just be an aid, and, and you have to have the ability to process things and make good decisions. That's Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm with Carmen and Yurko uh, two days ago right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. And, you know, Kurt Warner, I think, is is pointing out to the fact that There is something that when you see Trubisky play, great athlete, right? But there's something else that we're waiting to see, and that's the other part of it. The the just understanding how a quarterback is supposed to function and to sort out all the information they get in throughout a down-to-down, play-to-play situation and be able to figure out the right situation for your team. Yeah, and I think it, that's going to come with time, and it's going to you're going to see it when he doesn't run as much. And I know people say, "Oh, he's great, he's mobile, he can run. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome." It's also cool to uh, you know make go through your reads and make better throws and go through your progressions and find time, give your receivers time to get open and then hit those receivers once they break free. That's also fun, too. Moving the ball down the field and not throwing it back to the line of scrimmage is also fun, too. So that's what I need to see from Mitchell Trubisky. I need to see him make that read. I need to see him go through his progression. I need to see him step up in the pocket and not just look around real quick, take three seconds. No, he's not open. He's not open. He's not open. Tuck and run. Yeah, don't panic. Yeah, I don't want that. Have complete control over Mm -hmm. what you're doing and what your offense is doing and, and be able to, in a second half of a contest, be able to do something to choreograph scoring plays, right? And and we saw that in the second half, the wild card game against the Eagles. We saw Mitch take the team down the field scoring points. Mm-hmm. We didn't see it in the first half. We saw it in the second half. We just need to see more of that going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if, if he does play in any part of this uh, this preseason, that'll be good for him. You'll see that against opposing off, uh, defenses. So we don't have to wait until week one to see any adjustment if he made any and or made any progression this offseason. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. I was on the Action Network's website earlier today. Mm-hmm. And they have an article by John Ewing. NFL simulations reveal the best Super Bowl bets for this season. So what does this mean? So using the Action Network's model, they simulated the 2019 season 10,000 times using player and team statistics adjusted for strength of schedule. And here is the answer based on what they ran in the 10,000 simulations 
on the teams that are most likely to get to the Super Bowl. The two teams that had the highest odds to make the Super Bowl this coming season, the Los Angeles Rams to make the Super Bowl at 20.9%, and the New Orleans Saints at 18.4%. So you say, okay, Bleck, that doesn't make any damn sense because those two teams play in the same conference. All right, so the team from the AFC, which is third on the list, that would make the Super Bowl, if you took uh, this list and you said, who are the top two teams to get to the Super Bowl? It would be the Kansas State Chiefs at 22.4%. So the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs are the top three teams in this uh, simulation 10,000 times on the Action Network who will get to the Super Bowl. The team to win the Super Bowl uh, with 12.8% of the pie goes to the Los Angeles Rams. All right, so that's what the top of the board says. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going down, and I got to number three to find that AFC team. Number four, the New England Patriots at 23%. So right there with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, to make the Super Bowl, the, the Patriots are actually a higher percentile. But to win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs were the higher percentile. Okay. Interesting. I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the yeah. Colts were number five on the list, the Indianapolis Colts at 15% chance to make the Super Bowl. Then at six, you have the Philadelphia Eagles at 14%. Number seven, how about this? This is probably the first team in the grouping where you say, really? That's Mm. the team? Number seven? Yeah. Because we've heard the hype about the Eagles. Uh, Probably the best roster in football. You've heard the Colts. They've done great. Uh, building both the offensive and defensive lines. And Andrew Luck had a great season last year. We know the Patriots. They're fantastic Super Bowl champs. Mm-hmm. Kansas City, the MVP, and Andy Reid. We understand what's going on there. The Saints and the Rams. Mm-hmm. They played for the NFC title. Number seven, the Green Bay Packers Ooh. at 9.4% chance Ooh. to make the Super Bowl. Look, I'm not going to count Aaron Rodgers out of anything. You know, like, And people are saying, oh, well, he's got problems with Matt LaFleur and they don't agree on stuff. Look, I... They both want to win, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers is is has a better uh, offensive play call cl- caller calling plays for him in Matt Lafleur. They'll be able to figure it out. And I, the people that think that the Packers aren't going to be good this year, uh, I, I, I don't. I do not agree with them. To hey, be- Black, you haven't mentioned my team. Where's my theme? Uh, number eight on the list: the Los Angeles Chargers at nine point seven percent chance. Not yet, not yet to not make yet. the Super Bowl. Not yet. Hey, Black, what about my team? Where's where's the... Uh, the Chicago Bears oh, actually come okay, in at number nine on the list at 7.9% and a 4.1% chance to win the Super Bowl from the Action Network. That means there are eight teams ahead of the Bears through this 10,000-time simulation from the Action Network to make the Super Bowl. Eight teams ahead of the Bears and four teams from the NFC to get to the Super Bowl ahead of the Chicago Bears. I can see that. I mean, I'm not saying that there are eight teams better than the Bears, but I can I could probably name eight teams that have a chance in addition to the Bears. I don't know where the Bears, for me, would fall in that ranking. I think that they're ahead of the Packers with their defense. Uh, that, that, that puts them above for me. But ultimately, those are still all really good teams. Is the Bears' defense going to be so much better this season than the Packers' defense? That the Bears' offensive uh, opportunity is not as far behind to what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to do offensively. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're saying. Like, because yes. the Packers used all of their resources this offseason to draft defensively, mm-hmm. to sign guys and free agents defensively. Mm-hmm. They are clearly focused on improving that defensive unit. 
If they improve enough, is that going to tilt this uh, race between these two teams? Because can the Bears' offense catch up at all to what the Packers can do offensively? I think that the when you put the two units, when you stack them up against each other, the Bears, uh, I don't know how much far and away better they are, but they are they are much better, I think, right now because I haven't seen anything from the new Packers defense, and I know what the Bears' defense is, so I think that they're much better. And I think that that kind of evens the two teams out because if you have Aaron Rodgers, the be- one of the best quarterbacks, going up against that best defense, we saw what he, what he did to them in the first game, but then the Bears came back and won that second game. So I think that if you look at what the what Aaron Rodgers can do and what the Bears can do to him, I like what the Bears can do to Aaron Rodgers. I like that better than what the Packers can do to Mitchell Trubisky. Does that make sense? Yeah, and okay. at the top of the board on the Action Network's column, uh, the 10,000 simulations on which teams are going to make the Super Bowl. Number one, number two, the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. Listen, I the one thing that I would say with the Rams is this. When you're always just adding more veterans to your team, I get that when you have a championship window open, it makes sense in the short term. But the NFL is a tricky, mm-hmm. tricky, mm-hmm. tricky league mm-hmm. where teams who you think are going to be great for a long time all of a sudden disappear. They fall off a cliff that next season because this league is not about vets. Mm -hmm. It's about young players trying to prove something and get uh, new contracts, right? And Mm -hmm. and if you have too many vets on your team and you don't have your roster stacked with enough young guys, that's where I see something where do you trust Jared Goff? Do you trust the the players that you have added on this team to take another step forward? I'm I'm not sold that the Rams are the best team in football. I could I could see them having another good season and mm-hmm. winning their division, but I wouldn't say that I would pick them over the Bears to get to the Super Bowl. And you know, I I kind of would apply that same logic with the New Orleans Saints too. Yeah. You know, like I feel like the Saints are the team that a lot of people are starting to kind of look at and say, ah, I could see them taking a step back. Well, and that's why, Chris, I really like the Eagles this year. I think they have the right mix. If Carson Wentz can stay healthy this season, they've got the right mix of veteran players and young players. They're one of the deepest teams in the NFL. And we all know once it gets down into the middle of the season, end of the season, your depth is tested. Guys aren't can don't necessarily be hurt, but they need to be spelled a little bit more because of injury and just being sore and that that's what happens late in the season and that's why you need uh that much and they've got the most of it in my opinion we'll keep talking about this bucking abdallah here on espn 1000 singing for jonathan hood tonight on under the hood but we have a live update from soldier field let's go to jeff dickerson espn bears reporter jd what's going on at soldier field well boys brace yourself here brace yourself uh pandemonium in this half empty stadium when Mitchell Trubisky came out for yes. the first offensive series, the Bears were backed up on their own five-yard line, but there was good old number 10 strolling to the huddle. Mm. Bears, first and 10 on their own five. Trubisky hands off to Mike Davis for minus three yards. Oh. Second down, very tense now, very tense. Second down, Trubisky hands off to Mike Davis for a 12-yard burst, Ooh. giving you third and one. A lot of oh. options here for Matt Nagy in the playbook. Could we see perhaps a rollout? Could we see a play-action deep ball? <laughs> what is he going to do? Trubisky then hands the ball off to Mike Davis for a third consecutive time. No gain. Right. The Bears punt, and that probably uh, could be the end for Mitchell Trubisky. But three very strong handoffs is what we can report out here. And live at Soldier Field, 
I'm Jeff Dickerson, <laughs> ESPN 1000. Thank you, JD. We'll, we'll uh, check back with JD yeah. if uh, Mitch Trubisky enters the game later on. One plus evening. he didn't mention is uh, while they were they didn't uh, the Bears didn't receive the ball. They kicked off, and uh, Roquan Smith had a great sack. Uh, in his series, and now the defense is out. So now the all the ones for the defense is out, and uh, that's kind of it, maybe. Maybe that'll be it for uh, the offense, too. Let's switch to this. Chris Block and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. We'll uh, get to Pete Sampson in just a moment here on ESPN 1000 as we talk some college football, some Notre Dame college football. And Abdallah, you know, it's so funny. Roquan Smith gets a sack, and we're all very excited mm-hmm. on what Mitch Trubisky's doing by mm-hmm. a couple of handoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it's just amazing. Finally, we get football back. And that's what's exciting here tonight here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. Let's talk Notre Dame football right here with Pete Sampson, Notre Dame beat reporter for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Pete Sampson underscore. Pete, it's Chris and Adam tonight. What's going on? Clemson beat uh, Notre Dame in that uh, playoff game, and it was a bad one for the Fighting Irish. How did they recover this offseason? What's been the message for Brian Kelly's squad? I think that they sort of view it as, Get back to that game. Don't lose one of your best defensive players in the second quarter and see if you can kind of muddle your way to the end there. And I mean, Notre Dame is, I think they're well aware that the raw material difference between them and Clemson or Alabama is there and it's significant. So it's figuring out, okay, how do we compensate for that? Um, you know, how do we not get a little bit of stage fright when we show up in the playoffs? So I, I think the experience was big. Um, you know that that's something that they've talked a lot about, but I don't, I don't think it's like the Alabama game in 2012, which sort of like hung over the program uh, for about two or three years. Here, um, the Clemson game, I think, is a little bit more motivational. Get back there and, and take another shot at it. What has Ian uh, Ian Book done in the off season so far to improve for his senior year? I mean, pretty much anything you can. Uh, he went to the Manning Passing Academy for a few days, uh, hung out with. Eli Payton, uh, you know, and then Trevor Lawrence, Jake Fromm are down there too from the college ranks. Uh, worked with his private quarterback coach in Texas before coming back to campus. Uh, he is up nine pounds from where he was last year. Uh, and I think he just sort of walks around with his chest puffed out now that he's a starting quarterback. You know, they, they have not really had that kind of certainty here for a long time. And when you have a guy who knows he's the guy, I think that sort of helped him lead a little bit. So he's He's pretty much taken every step he can to try to be a dude at quarterback, um, and he believes that he will be. You know, we'll we'll see if that's true, but he at least has the belief that it's going to happen for him. Pete Sampson, Notre Dame beat writer for the Athletic, joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah right here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. You know, Ian Buck knows he's the guy, and Brian Kelly knows he's the guy. And each offseason, Brian Kelly usually has to juggle who is the actual guy at quarterback. Is this going to be a major uh, help to Kelly and Book putting in the the game plan hanging into the season now that they're isn't really a quarterback competition in, in this offseason? If it's not a help, they're doing it wrong. I mean, that, that they, uh, they need to be able to take advantage of having actual experience at the position and certainty. And I, that's something Brian Kelly's talked a little bit about, that they want the offense to function more at a 300-level, a 400-level class, um, whereas last year I think they were just sort of scraping it together as they went, whether it was Wimbush or Book. So, you know, can they do things a little bit more that's complicated. Can they expect the quarterback to be better picking up blitzes because he's seen everything? Yeah, I think that's realistic. Um, you know, is Book ever going to wow you with an NFL arm? Probably not. But uh, in terms of functioning the offense, I, I think that they need to make that experience work for them. If they don't, 
then they don't really have a chance to, to make a run or at least compete to get back into the playoffs. This will be Brian Kelly's 10th year with Notre Dame. What's the feeling around Notre Dame about a decade, about around Notre Dame about a decade with Brian Kelly? That's uh, you get a lot of different answers when you ask people about that. I mean, some people are like, just hurry up and retire, move on to something <laughs> else. I think some people are look at it as, hey, they're 22 and four in the last year. He sort of figured out how to be the Notre Dame head coach, even if it took longer than anybody wanted, including Brian Kelly, which he would tell you. Um, so, you know, he's just sort of in a weird spot here because is he going to have a bronze statue outside the stadium because he won the national title? Probably not. Um, is he going to have his career end like Weiss, Willingham, Davey? Probably not. So he's sort of like in this weird in-between stage. But I think for the most part, the majority of the fans would say like, hey, college playoff last year, 10 wins the year before that, recruiting's in good shape. They, they should be good again this year. Like, things are in a good way now that they have not been for a long time, um, even if, like, a lot of people also sort of look at it and be like, why did it take 10 years to get to this point? Pete Sampson, Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic, joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Last year, Notre Dame's defense was a top 10 uh, defensive efficiency team. Do you expect them to be that good this season? I do not. They lost too much up the middle uh, with Jerry Tillery, first-round pick of the Chargers, and then a couple inside linebackers who were multiple-year starters, Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney. They combined for, I think, 209 tackles last year, and they're replacing them with guys who either never played the position or have never played at all. So I don't know too many great defenses that are not stout between the tackles, and I think Notre Dame's going to have to sort of learn as they go. Um, I, I expect them to shuffle a bunch of different linebackers in and out this season. That's not something they had to deal with last year. I mean, it should be a fine defense, but if Notre Dame's going to have a double-digit win team, it's really going to have to be the offense that carries them there. They do have to go to Georgia. They have to go to Michigan. There's always They have to go to uh, they have to get USC at home. I mean, what is the uh, ceiling for this team? Can they be a playoff contender? Contender, yes. Um, I sort of look at Notre Dame as, it's a terrible schedule to go 12-0 and and make the playoffs, but it's a pretty good schedule to go 10-2 and and go to a New Year's Six game. I, I, you know, is that the ceiling 10 wins? I think that's probably the most likely good season that Notre Dame could have uh, just because of at Georgia, at Michigan, at Stanford. They haven't won there since 2007. So it's, I mean, Georgia in particular, if you go down there and lose, it's really hard to recover from that um, and you can be in contention for the playoff. Like they'll be discussed on that on the ESPN playoff ranking show. But I, it's difficult for me to look at them and feel like they're going to have a real serious chance to make it, especially if you lose to Georgia, you know, in mid September. You know, last season when uh, Notre Dame had to go to San Diego to play Navy, uh, there there's there were weird quirks in the schedule. Is there anything this season that jumps out at you where there's weird travel plans or anything that Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish have to deal with? No, there's really not. It's a, it's a good schedule from the pacing of it. You have two bye weeks. There's not some ridiculous travel. Um, they only they have you know seven home games and the road games. You know Georgia is not all the way across the country, and then it's Duke is in there. Michigan is local. Um, you obviously have Stanford in there, and Louisville is the other road game. So it's not it's not an absurd travel schedule um, the way last year's was. So it's just. The opponents are really hard, and they're, they're a lot better than what they faced last year. 
So the the Georgia and the Michigan are tricky uh, where they actually have to travel. It's it's pretty manageable for Notre Dame. Thanks, Pete. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Pete Sampson, Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic. You can follow his work on Twitter at Pete Sampson underscore. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, man, I... I can't get enough college football conversation. As, so as we sit here a couple so weeks ready. away and uh, Chicago's college tailgate will return opening weekend. We have two shows on the 31st and the 2nd as we get you ready for college football with Jonathan Hood, Chris Buck, and Am Abdallah. We can't wait for it, and, and it's good to talk to Pete and get some Notre Dame conversation going. So ready. You know, that defense was so good last season. It really oh, yeah. carried the team as Ian Book figured they it lost out a lot offensively. Of guys, and it's tough to, it's tough to, you know, when guys go to the draft, it's tough, it's tough to, to get underclassmen and younger guys up to that level. And they're going to have a struggle. We mentioned some of their, some of their games. Going to Georgia, your third week of the season is going to be tough. Going to Michigan, when Michigan is a playoff contender for sure this year, this might be the year that Harbaugh finally gets into that final four. And then, like he mentioned, going to Stanford, where you haven't won since 2000. Seven. It's going to be a tougher year. It's going to be a quote a down year. Not making the playoff sounds weird, but saying it's a down year. Winning ten games sounds like it's a. It sounds weird to say, but it's a down year. But when expectations are going to a playoff, that's a down year. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. We go to Vegas next to get you set for the football season. Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood. <laughs> It's time for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Am Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We now talk with CBS Sportsline football expert and Vegas insider Kenny White. You can follow him on Twitter at KWhiteyVegas. Abdallah, we've been talking about Notre Dame over the course of the last 20 minutes. And as we bring Kenny into the conversation, it's Chris and Adam. Kenny, what do you think of Notre Dame's expectations this season? Well, Notre Dame's got a great football team, guys. Uh, the, the problem is the schedule that they go up against this year is just a, a daunting task. Um, I, I have Notre Dame ranked, I believe, in my top ten. I'm looking at my book right now, but I only have them winning 9.2 games this year. Yeah, Notre Dame I have tied for ninth in the country. Uh, their offense is well above average. Their defense is well above average. And Brian, Brian Kelly's been doing a, a terrific job. Uh, maybe covering point spreads hasn't been one of his best jobs. He's 32 and 31 the last five years, just 500. He is 12 and 10 against the top 25 when it comes to covering point spreads. But amazing, just 9 and 13 straight up when, when playing against the best teams in the country. So, like I said, this schedule, uh, playing at Georgia, uh, playing USC at Michigan, uh, those those are really tough hurdles. And I think even the last game of the year, uh, by week 13, 14 this year against Stanford late, uh, this could be an improved Stanford team. But it wouldn't surprise me if you'll see Notre Dame come out uh, winning 10 games this year. Everybody believes that we're on a collision course for Alabama and Clemson and their season win totals are at 11 and 11 and a half respectively. Do you believe both those teams can go undefeated? I, I do believe both can. The, the, the big thing with Clemson, uh, they, they just, they're overmatching. They're an SEC football team playing in the ACC. Uh, they're going to be a 14 point favorite minimum every single game this season. Uh, their, their road is very easy. Dabo Sweeney keeps his guys, uh, uh, up. You know, there's going to be one scare. Obviously, there always is with college teams. So uh, there's always that opportunity. There could be a game that they lose, but they'll still be in the final four. Alabama, 
they're going to be lightning focused. I, I, this team, it's amazing. They have 32 players drafted the last three years, 13 in the first round the last three years. You lose that type of talent, but they just continue to reload. And I think their focus is there because that embarrassing loss uh, to Clemson, and I believe this could be the best Alabama team we've ever seen because of Tua and his experience now running that offense with a great defense behind him. Kenny White, Vegas Insider with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. To follow up on Alabama, last season in the first half, in the first quarter of games, Alabama was outscoring opponents big time. Kenny, is that something you look at heading into this season where you're going to play the first quarter lines, the first half lines, especially when you're playing Alabama games? Yeah, that was something we noted. I can't remember how many times they covered in a row, but it might have been the first nine or ten games of the year they covered uh, the first half line. And you continued to see bookmakers adjusting higher and higher and higher, but they just couldn't get high enough. Um, yeah, I would expect the same. Uh, you look for them early in the season playing Duke and New Mexico State. You know, these are weak football teams. Uh, they should just be able to manhandle. And I believe, yeah, they'll be out early. Uh, they'll cover those spreads early in games. I think you might see Tua play a little longer in games because last year Nick Saban kind of had Jalen Hurts, you know, thinking, you know, Jalen was my guy. I need to try to get him as much playing time as possible. I don't think he's going to feel this way that, uh, this year with Mac Jones uh, as his second-string quarterback. So I think you'll see Tua play longer in the games, uh, later in the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth with big leads. So just increase their scoring opportunities. I think this Alabama team could average 50 points a game by the end of the season. All the focus in the Big Ten is going to be on Michigan, but Michigan State has a win total of eight right now. They have one of the, one of the better defenses in the country going into this season. How do you rate Michigan State? I rate Michigan State very highly, and you're right. I, I agree that this defense is tremendous. Um, I have Michigan winning 10.3 football games, and the difference maker might be when those two rivals play. It is in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan State, I have at 9.2 wins. They were one of my top win total plays this year to go over. Um, good question marks about uh, their their head coach that maybe uh, D'Antoni is not one of the upper echelon coaches in college football. You know, the ATS record, I'd love to use that to follow who's a great coach and who's not because, you know, if you're covering point spreads, that's what the line is, the great equalizer. That means you're overachieving. And uh, Michigan State has not been an overachiever over the last five years. But this is their most talented team. Uh, they do have to have their quarterback needs to take care of the football a little bit better. He needs to punch it into the end zone with more touchdown passes. But they will have that defense to rely on, and they will all year. I can't wait till Penn State plays Michigan State if they do. I didn't even look at the schedule if they do, but... If those two play each other, Penn State's defense is tremendous, and I'll look in my book and see if they are. They are. I've got a final score of 25-15. to 15. It's going to be a very low-scoring football game with the Spartans winning by 10. Kenny White, Vegas Insider, on with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Urban Meyer's out at Ohio State. Ryan Day takes over. I've always said that I thought Urban Meyer was the best one-game football coach in the country. He's not the best coach overall. That's probably Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. But Urban Meyer, if you needed him for one game, was the absolute best at making a game plan and winning that one game. Uh, how do you think Ohio State will fare? Their over-unders had 10 wins this season with the new head coach, Ryan Day. You, you know, you, you, everything you hit was uh, head on, uh, right, right on. This uh, this team is going to miss Urban Meyer, and it's going to miss him in big games. You're right. Where Ryan Day just does not have that type of experience of game planning for those games. The talent level's still there. There's there so much talent on this football team. 
But now you're bringing in Justin Fields, coming in from Georgia. He is going to have so much pressure on him. You know, respect is something you earn. And you just I just don't think he has enough time to earn the respect that he's going to need a quarterback this early in the season. Uh, they, they, they are fortunate that they should be able to handle that schedule. But going into Nebraska at the end of September and then playing Michigan State, uh, those might be two tough football games where you may see Ohio State tub the, uh, stub their toe. Because you're right, Ryan Day doesn't have the experience, and Urban Meyer has. So I have them, though, at 9.9 wins. I'm right on the win total. I would have liked to have gone under 10.5, but now it's down to 10. Texas A&M brought in a great recruiting class under Jimbo Fisher. How do you see them, and how do you rate them this season? Uh, Texas A&M, I have uh, 10 points better than the average college football team. Uh, yeah, again, this is another team you're right. Defensively, they're going to be uh, outstanding. A lot of returning starters. Uh, Kellen Mond, the quarterback, is going to be the difference maker. If he plays really well, uh, this team could overachieve. Um, but there's question marks. I do believe on the offense, uh, and, and it is in Kellen Mond. I've got him about four and a half points better than the average quarterback. Uh, the backup quarterbacks are, are very inexperienced, so they're going to need to keep Mond healthy. Um, I have this team right now only at 6.8 wins. And a lot of that has to do with the schedule that they play. It's just a tremendous schedule this year. Uh, you know, when you're taking on Clemson uh, out of conference, you know that's a loss. And I've got them losing that game by 23 points in Death oh. Valley. Uh, it's, it's, it's a daunting year. You're, you're on the road uh, at Georgia and LSU to end the season. Uh, I think the schedule's just too difficult for Jimbo Fisher's team. And you're right. His recruiting class was excellent. Uh, uh, I think the left tackle they've got in Kenyon Green is going to be a great player and an NFL guy. He's got several NFL guys uh, on that in that recruiting class. Kenny White, Vegas Insider, talking with Chris Block and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Closer to home, the Northwestern Wildcats. They had a good season last year, but it seems like each and every year they trip up in the month of September. This upcoming September, they have probably, arguably, their three toughest games. They face Stanford on the road, Michigan State, and at Wisconsin, all in the first month of the season. What do you think of uh, Northwestern heading into this season? Well, I'll tell you, Pat Fitzgerald is one of my favorite coaches because I said, oh, when you cover the point spread, you are overachieving. And Pat Fitzgerald, he's a guy that overachieves. Uh, Northwestern, 37 and 27 ATS uh, overall the last five years. What's more impressive when he's playing in conference, 29 and 15 against the spread, uh, he has just been tremendous. He's also been great under. Uh, playing at home. So you know you're going to get a great defensive effort out of them. That means the game planning is there each week because we know the athletes are just a slight step below the rest in the conference because of the academics. But, again, the schedule just really daunting. Last year was a miracle season, I feel like. Uh, this year, a little bit tougher. I have them as an above-average football team, about four points better than the average team. But I only have them winning 5.9 games. I think they barely get bowl eligible, and as you pointed out, at Stanford, Michigan State, at Wisconsin the first month of the season. Then at Nebraska, because we know Nebraska has definitely improved. That could be off to a one-and-four start. You're going to see this team get their wins late in the year, so don't give up on them. They play home against Purdue, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. I think all three easy wins. And then at Illinois, which they'll get a win there. None of them's easy, but I do believe they win their last four games. 
I'm going to stick to the South because that's where football is. Is, is football? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about teams with with a lot of wins. I'm looking at LSU schedule, and I can see them going undefeated until they get to that Alabama game when they have to go to Tuscaloosa. How do you rate the Tigers? I think they can go in and they could maybe be they could be a one or two loss team this season. I'm in complete agreement with you. This is uh, Eddie O's best team that he's had so far. Uh, again, when you start to you know look at guys, if they're going to overachieve or not, he's twenty and eighteen covering point spreads the last three years. But again, a lot of guys, you know, their system doesn't fit till year three or year four. So this may be the year. I think Joe Burrow is going to uh, take a step up. I think the new offense that they're, they're putting in this year is going to help Burrow. He's a big, strong quarterback. He does like to run a little bit, so that uh, multi-pro spread will work for him. Uh, the defense is. Defense is loaded. Rashad Lawrence is an All-American that's going to play in the NFL. Uh, and in the secondary, Grant Delpit, another guy, uh, NFL-type uh, uh, talent. Um, I look at their schedule. I think they're only an underdog in one game this year, and that is the Alabama game. So I have LSU winning 9.6 games. It wouldn't surprise me if they won 10 and quite possibly 11 since they're a favorite in 11 out of the 12 contests. Kenny, thanks for the time tonight. We appreciate it. Hey, Mike, my pleasure, guys. I need to get an address. I will send you guys out a couple of uh, uh, my uh, power rating books that I uh, published this year. Beautiful. Vegas Insider, OddsXFactor.com, KennyWhite.com. He's a CBS Sportsline football expert. You can follow him on Twitter at KWhiteyVegas, Vegas Insider, Kenny White. That Northwestern information, 5.5 wins. And, Abdallah, if you look at their schedule, you could make an argument that they're going to be 1-6 in in their first seven games. I I completely agree with you. Did you take a look at this? But I saw you. Stanford, UNLV, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa. That's how they start the season. Can I bet that under now? Can I just bet that now? You might it's have six to. and a half right now uh, uh, online, and that you got to lay a lot of juice though to get under six and a half. It's minus one fifty. Now listen, I want Northwestern to be good, yeah. but I see opportunity when there's opportunity. Listen, and if you look at this schedule good. and you look at the information in front of you, you already know Northwestern usually struggles at the start of its season. We didn't get a chance to uh, get to get an Illinois question in there, but well, Illinois is at four and a half. That's and uh, that's I'm, done by design. I'm telling sir. you, that's a ten win beard. That is a ten win beard on a four win team. Chris Block and Am Abdallah coming up next. I have proof to why baseball in a national setting really has no impact anymore whatsoever. I'll tell you next. Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. Coming up, I will tell you why I know that baseball is no longer relevant in the American sports landscape, Abdallah. That's coming up. We'll talk about that at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Yeah, I get it. You're a Cub fan, you enjoy the Cubs. You're a White Sox fan, you enjoy the White Sox. If you have a favorite team, you enjoy that team. But in the larger conversation of sports, it really doesn't matter. How about this right now? Let's open the ticket window. 312-332-3776. If you would like a pair of tickets to the 2019 Fantasy Football Convention and Championship at 115 Bourbon Street, be callers 1 through 5. All five callers... If you get in one, two, three, four, and five, we'll get a pair of tickets August 24th at 115 Bourbon Street for our fantasy football convention and championship. 
And if you don't get a chance to win tickets tonight here on ESPN 1000, you can buy tickets on the ESPN Chicago Facebook page for $15 before the event, and it's $20 the day of the event. That it is, Chris. So get them now. Tickets are going fast, and we'll give away five more next hour. But call now. Callers 1 through 5, 312, 332, 3776. What was that voice that you just did there? My carnival barker. Oh. Have you had to use that before? I've barked at a few carnivals. What, what does that even mean? Figure it out. All right. Fantasy Football Convention Championship tickets. If you want to go, Saturday, August 24th, it kicks off at uh, 8 a.m. Goes all day long. Lots of great fantasy content. Field Yates will be there. Lots to discuss with Jeff Meller, fantasy expert at ESPN 1000, Waddle, Yurko. Everyone will be out there. 115 Bourbon Street on August 24th. First five callers get a pair of tickets right here on ESPN 1000. Thank you for listening to Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Baseball, not relevant. We'll talk about it coming up next.